Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Why don't we give Jesus a round of applause? Come on. Loud for Jesus. Amen. Awesome, awesome. Tell the person next to you, welcome home. Welcome home. You may have a seat. All right, great. I want to just congratulate you guys for... Uh, being in the house of God, and uh, it is Sunday, and not congratulate you because you came, congratulate because you were invited. Uh, sometimes we feel like we're doing God favors, but he's the one that does us the favors. Uh, amen. So this is his house, and we're his guests, and it's a wonderful thing to be here. Amen. And Barcelona's winning 2-1. Uh, dear God, thanks. <laughs> anyway, so uh, why don't you uh, do me a huge favor and just go with me to Honolulu. I was in Hawaii a few years ago, and um, I was not enjoying the sun because we were in this Amazing, incredible store called Nordstrom Rack. That is about four stories worth of deals uh, and steals. And so anyway, we were just super excited to be there, to be in Hawaii, not Nordstrom Rack. And, you know, my wife and I, we, we had been married not too long, but uh, we had a baby. He was about two years old. His name is Elijah. And, you know, we were very confident um, in our parenting skills up until that moment. We were super excited, uh, and, you know, we were shopping. We were trying to buy something nice. I remember I was looking for some glasses, some nice fun sunglasses for my wife. She liked them Tom Ford, and I was looking for the Tom Ford glasses. They were not cheap. And that's why I was in Nordstrom Rack, not in Nordstrom. So anyway, so, uh, so anyway, but, you know, she was looking for something else. And I remember, you know, Elijah was right there sleeping nicely tied down to his uh, little, what do you call them things? Stroller. And, uh, and uh, you know, all of a sudden... He wasn't there anymore, and he had never done this before. He, he, he knew how to walk, but he didn't know how to get off the seat. At least that's what we thought, and he chose the wrong time because Nordstrom Rack over there is huge mongas. It's like four stories high, and four, it's just packed with people, and we were like, you know, we don't know how long this kid's been missing. We don't know what just happened. If you've ever lost a child, you know what I'm talking about. Or if you have ever lost your wallet on your phone, you know like a tenth of 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 what I'm talking about. And a tenth of that. You see, losing a kid is like the worst thing you could possibly lose. You lose your phone, it's inconvenient, it's expensive. You lose a child. You're in trouble. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, all these thoughts began to come to my mind like, you know, uh, Hawaii is the, the, the hub for uh, human trafficking in the world or like, you know, crazy things. I began to see movies like Taken 1, 2, 3. You know, uh, I, I, you know really, I was like, what's, what skills do I have? <sighs> make me, you know, make me a, a, a nightmare for people like you. You know, I was like really scared. I was freaking out. I ran upstairs. I ran downstairs. I ran outside. Uh, I started talking to people, screaming Elijah's name. Everyone was screaming, like, Elijah! I don't know if people thought we were crazy or they saw our desperation. It was such a horrible experience. Any parents here that have lost a child before, raise your hand. Wow, Lucy, you know what I'm... You, how does it feel? In the, at Disneyland, wow. Not the happiest place on earth at that moment. <laughs> Two minutes, how long did they feel? Like at least an hour, right? Yeah, for us, it was like, it felt like forever. You know, it was only a few minutes. I'm sure it was like, you know, maybe 10 minutes max, five minutes. Uh, but it felt like an eternity. Now check this out. 
Jesus' parents were coming from celebrating the greatest feast, which is the Passover feast, and they lost Jesus for an entire day. They didn't even realize he was gone. So for those of you that are here that are parents that lost a child, don't feel so bad. If it happened to Mary and it happened to Joseph, it could happen to us all. And I'm just saying you're still an amazing mother and we're amazing. Lucy, you're great. You know what I mean? Hey, an entire day, an entire day went by and they're like, hold up. Where's Jesus? You know what I mean? It's like, where's God? They literally lost God. And it's just like, where is the Lord? For an entire day, the Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verse 42. Now you're thinking, wait, why aren't we reading the devotional of today? We will, I promise you. But this ties into it in a beautiful way, okay? And when he had become 12, meaning he turned 12 years of age, he'd become 12. How old have you become? Right? Uh, they went up there according to the customs of the feast. That means the Passover feast. And as they were returning home, after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. You guys get the home alone look, right? The home alone. I don't know the movie theme. We should have used it. But his parents were unaware of it. The whole journey. It was like, not the whole journey, an entire day's worth. They were completely unaware. In another version it says, his parents did not miss him at first. <laughs> now, before you go judging Mary and Joseph, I ask you, is Jesus really still present? Is he present in everything that we do? I mean, church, is this really about Jesus? Don't get me wrong, there's cute girls and cute guys here, but is it really about Jesus? The music is great, but is it really about Jesus? Amen? I mean, we do cell group. Is cell group still about Jesus? Is your worship time, is it still about Jesus or has he gone missing? And you don't even know where he's at. You don't even miss him at times, which is the worst part of all. I don't mean to sound mean or rude, but many times, I would say most of the time, most of the time that Jesus is not there, it takes something bad to make us realize it. Doesn't it? It's not like, and I wish it was, and our heart and our desire in this ministry is that you get to the place where it's not even a 10-second thing. You're like, oh, hold up. No, 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 no. This is, Jesus must be present. Amen? To where you're like, man, you're, you're driving home, and there's traffic, and you feel like somebody cuts you off, and you want to give them the freeway salute, and you're like, no, 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 no. Jesus is present. You know what I'm talking about or no? Freeway salute. You guys don't know what I'm talking about if you don't drive, right? I've never done it in my life ever, so I cannot, I just, I'm just judging you guys, you know. But, or maybe you're like being really prideful because you're, you know, uh, your leader tells you something that you don't like, right? I'm a leader. Who's leader? I don't need a leader. I am the leader, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, hold on, hold on. Where's Jesus here, right? Hey, where's Jesus in my life? Here's what happens. Today's devotional was in four Colossians 4, 2 to 6, if you don't know what I'm talking about, we're all doing a devotional together as a ministry, as a church. And it's been amazing. This last week, who did the devotional this week? Raise your hand. Wow. Okay. If you haven't joined yet, uh, talk to your cell leader and tell them, what's wrong with you, man? Why aren't you helping me out? We're supposed to be doing this together. Seriously. Don't, don't not out loud right now. Like, don't call them out right now. But you could do it later. Um, but seriously, uh, it's an amazing thing. Everybody's being held accountable. All of my 12, every one of those men and every one of the girls from, from Eoni Cell, as far as I know, I haven't asked her yet. But as far as I know, but my 12 for sure, they've done their devotional every single day. It's been an amazing thing. They've all are held accountable. I'm held accountable. I send them my devo. They know what I'm, that, well, you know, what I'm reading every day. 
And every time that it lands on a cell group, for example, Thursday, we preached about these verses. Today I'm preaching about this devotional. On, uh, you know that we're in the same sink. It's pretty cool in the same line. Isn't it amazing? Anyway, just wanted you to know uh, that we have this uh, available for you. If you need a copy, ask us or just go to our Instagram and you'll see them all right there. Got it? So there's no excuse like, I didn't know. Right? Got it? Okay, good, good. Okay, cool, cool. So as I was thinking about that, I was like, you know, the devotional today says this, Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the time, at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word, amen, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Jesus or of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak, meaning God give me wisdom to speak clearly. Conduct yourself with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, mm -mm -mm. so that you will know how you should respond to each person. This is a devotional today. God's telling us in, our, in the word, be graceful, be gracious. Always look for a door. Always look for an opportunity to speak the gospel to people's lives. We uh, line up every day to drop off our son to school. And every single day we're praying for somebody. Every day we're praying, God, help us win this person. Help us win that person. I've taken Ricky fishing. You're going to see him here one day soon. I promise you that. Makes sense. Every single time to Raquel. We're talking to Raquel about, you know, Brooks. And her son is one of my best buddies, Nixon. And we're always trying to connect with these people. Always trying to share the gospel with somebody. If I go to the market, I line up on the same line that that person is. I don't, it's like, why if it's a longer line? Because that person is there and have a purpose for purchasing this candy bar. Does that make sense? Be intentful about your outreach. Be intentful about sharing the gospel. Ask God to open doors to you. So this is what the devotional is telling you. Have wisdom from God to give a good account. Let your words be, be salted. Not, not like salty, like, but have you ever cooked meat and eaten meat without salt? No bueno. Say with me, no bueno. Right? I, I love to do asados and all. they say, what did you do with it? I just put salt on it. It's just the right amount of salt. You know, salt preserves. Did you know that salt, before they had refrigerators, they used salt. Right? Salt was a preservative. Not only that, salt purifies. It cleans things. You know, the word salary came from the word salt. So before people used to get paid with salt. More than with gold, more than with anything else, because salt was so precious. People die if they don't have sodium in their bodies. People die if they don't have the right intake into their bodies. Does that make sense? So salt was so important. The Word of God knows that because it's speaking in a time where we didn't just go to the store and buy a pound of salt for pennies. You know what I mean? It was a time where it was so precious. So God is saying to you, let your words be words that preserve. Let your words be words that bring purity. Let your words bring words that bring blessing. It's like, it's kind of like now telling you, let your words be golden. Isn't that cool? Let your words be worth something. Don't just talk out of your back pocket. Let's, let's talk in a way that blesses people's lives. Amen? Yeah. Amen? So this is the devotional. This is just a little chunk. But then I went back to the first verses and it said, devote yourselves to prayer. And I went, because I know the struggle. The struggle is real. Right? I know that there's a true struggle in this church as it is in most churches and in most people's lives. And that is to do their devotionals. And that is to pray and spend time in the presence of God. Devote yourself to prayer. 
Very few people can tell me, Pastor, I am devoted to prayer. A lot of people will tell me, and most of you would probably say, if I am not mistaken, I have a really hard time getting in the presence of God every day and just spending hours in prayer. Without raising your hand so we don't have to jump you, but how many of you actually can say, you know what, my prayer life is as strong as it could be. My prayer life is great, it's strong, because it should show in your life. It should show in such a way that people know that you're spending time in the presence of God. And I don't mean complaining to God. I don't mean like cashing in your spiritual checks to God. I mean like hearing from God. Some people talk to God instead of have a conversation with the Lord. Oh, I kind of, I'm going to tell you, pop, 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 pop. I need this, 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 this. I need that, 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 that. And the Lord's like, when is it my turn to speak? Because I think he has some good things to say. Amen. Spending time in the presence of God is one of the biggest, if not, it is the spiritual war. It is where spiritual warfare begins, and I would tell you it's where it's ended. Amen. Spiritual warfare is not just screaming, although sometimes it's necessary. It's not just stomping, although, hey, stomp it. You know what I mean? Spiritual warfare is prayer. Beginning of prayer, it's already a battle won. If you lost the battle, it means that you should have prayed and you didn't. Sometimes you wake up around 3, 3 a.m., you can't sleep, and you assume it was a pupusa. It was like the, the hamburger. It was, oh, man, too much dominoes, right? Maybe it's the Lord saying, I want to spend some time with you. But you're battling it out, and your warm bed is calling you, and instead of saying, I'm going to devote myself to prayer, I'm going to devote myself to me, to my bed, to my warmth, to my comfort, to my rest. Does that make sense? And I don't want to sound condemning because truth be told, every single Christian in the world, every one of them, I don't know any that haven't struggled with prayer. Pastors, leaders, the world knows this. And if they don't say it, it's probably because they're embarrassed. But all of us at some point have struggled to have a devoted prayer life. And the reason is because so many times we forget that it's all really about Jesus. Jesus is missing, and when he goes missing, other things go missing with him. Let me go back to this, okay? If you want to remember something from today's message, remember this. The answer to a calloused heart are calloused knees. The answer to a calloused heart are calloused knees. The answer to a calloused heart, a hardened heart, is knees that are calloused. I've made it a point, I've determined myself to no longer just pray in my bed or pray sitting down. I will pray on my knees. Not to get God's attention, but to get my attention. And to say, this is where I belong. I one time read that the closest place to heaven is your knees. That is the closest place to heaven. Get on your knees and pray to God. When was the last time you bowed to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and said, it is not about my life. It is about you, God. I don't care who sees. I don't care what's around me. It's you who I want. Amen. This is the lost art of Christianity. Nowadays, we're too hipster. We're too cool. Oh, that's just cracked. We're too, too amazing to, to get on our knees. See, we won't bow to anybody except one time, one knee. That's it. The Lord really, I know, wants your devotion. Devotion doesn't mean one time. Devotion means two times, three times, four times, five times, six times, seven times, eight times, nine times, ten times, eleven times, twelve times. Amen? That's devotion. And when I'm tired... That's exactly when devotion counts. When I don't want to, hey, it's called devotion for a reason. When I'm hungry, praise God, you're devoted. Amen. Oh, you know what, pastor, but I'm running late. I know. It's 
called devotion. Devotion. You know what happens? If you're running late, then you've got no lunch. Just do your lunch, do your devotional. Ouch, this just got too real. Right now, it's like, oh, pastor, don't go into my life. Tell me the good things, but don't, don't try to mess with my last call manipulation. The G12 vision is manipulating my life. <laughs> Idiots. There's no other way to say it. There's no other way to say it. Whenever you are being confronted with some truths and you decide not to accept those truths, it's idiotic to think that somehow, some way, somehow, some way, I can change the scripture to adapt to my weak lifestyle. It will never change. The principles are the same. When the word of God tells you, devote yourself to prayer, it does not mean pray right before you eat three times a day so that your food doesn't give you the indigestion. Right? That for some people is their prayer. Like, how's your prayer life? It's great, Pastor. It's great. Yeah, you pray, yeah, three times a day I pray. I pray for you too. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for this food. Amen. Right? That's their prayer life. Your prayer life cannot be just that. I mean, we praise God because he gives us everything we've got. But man, did you know that most of your problems in your relationships, in your ministry, in your finances could be reduced to this one moment. It's called prayer. Hey, I'm not playing. Most of my problems in my relationship with my wife that have ever arose have been because of one simple thing. Communication. Guys are like, huh? What's that? <laughs> How was your day? Good. That's the level of communication we men operate in. It's true or not. Most of you, most, most, most. I'm not saying all because there's those, those people that make us feel like we're mean and bad. But the truth is this. When Naomi comes and asks me how my day is, she's not expecting me to say good. She's expecting me to share with her how I felt. My, my day, who I spent it with, what I ate, how it tasted, did I like it, was it hot, was it warm, did I do it alone, did, I, did somebody else, does that make sense, right? Where did you eat? How did you eat? Right? She wants to know it all, and I love that now, I didn't before, now I actually enjoy it because it's her way of saying, I care about your life, I'm interested in your life, right? But all I'm saying is like, good. And I think the Lord is trying to do that with you, he's trying to really reach out to you and say, I love you, I want to spend time with you, like, Good. Isn't it true? Oh, the song ended, God. I was going to talk to you more, but the song ended. So it's 3.2, 3 and 22 seconds, and you know, I can't do it without Jesus' culture, so it's going to have to. You know what I'm saying? God, I would have loved to spend more time with you, but the song ended. I don't feel, it's not going on anymore. When was the last time you ran out of songs in your playlist in the presence of God? Amen? I'll tell you what, I'm telling you what, sometimes you run out of episodes before you run out of songs in your playlist. That just got too real. Some of you guys don't have Netflix or have never binged watched. You don't know what I'm talking about. You're holy. But most people will run out of episodes before they run out of songs in their playlist in the presence of God. And that could not be more accurate for most people struggling today to have a prayer life. I can tell you this because the other day I sat there and I was praying and I got so distracted, this dumb this, this dumb idea started occurring to me. Listen to this, okay. I was really interceding. I mean, I was in the presence of God. And all of a sudden, I thought of a tool that I needed. A tool. I was like, what the heck? Like, it was really not going away. I could hear it. And, oh, yeah, it's, it's a bandsaw that's, like, held by. It's, it's like a really cool. Isn't it a cool tool, Mark? He saw it. It's a really nice tool. And I was like, oh, yeah, I put this offer and offer up. I wonder if the guy already answered back. In the middle of intercession. 
I was praying for the lost, and I thought of a tool. The DeWalt, uh, you know, it was a bandsaw, a handsaw. I was like, what is wrong with me? You ever been there before? Have you ever been like, man, you're praying for something that's important, and this just random demonic attack comes over your life, and you're thinking of anything else except what you should be praying on. That is an attack. And I don't know if it seems innocent to you or not, but it's the contrary to devo devotion. It's not devotion. The Bible doesn't say get distracted while praying. It actually says devote yourself to prayer and keep alert. To keep alert. So here's what happens when you don't keep alert. You lose even your children. That happened to me. I could not find my son. I could not find my boy. It was such a horrible time. Ten minutes. But I don't know how long it passed until I realized he was gone. For Mary and Joseph, it was an entire day. You know why there was that? Check this out. This is truth. Luke 2, 42 tells you when he we got lost. This is awesome right here. Verse 44. But supposed him to be in the car caravan and went a day's journey. And they began looking for him among the relatives and acquaintances. They supposed him to be in the caravan. They supposed him to be in the crowd. They thought he was with everybody else. He is here. He's in the celebration somehow, somewhere. He's here somewhere. What a great neglect, isn't it, for Christianity today. Well, I'm a church. There's a worship service. He's definitely here somewhere. And that's not what we can, I mean, we cannot afford to think that way. You see, you can be in the middle of a worship service. You can be in the middle of Passover and still be missing Jesus. You can be in the middle of, of the most beautiful, incredible moment in the presence of God and an encounter even. And still Jesus is not present with you. It can happen. Did you know that you can be preaching and you're thinking about, are people looking at me? I'm like, oh my gosh. And Jesus is not there. You can be literally, seriously doing your devotional and just not Jesus in the forefront. Is Jesus present all the time? Is he there? Are you seriously, the Bible says here that you need to keep alert. Are you always aware of where he's, where he's at? Because that's what we need. Awareness. Awareness. Where is Jesus? In my life right now, in this relationship, for example, you have a girlfriend, a boyfriend, or a uh, friend. You know, I don't know. You don't know yet. You don't know if it is. No, is it true? Like, she's my girlfriend. She just doesn't know it yet. You know what I mean? Like, if you have a special friend or pre-special friend. But is Jesus in that? Does that make sense? Where is Jesus in that relationship? Okay. There was a time where I used to leave Jesus home. Before I was sold out for God. Before I really understood the, the, the point that I'll share with you. The, the fourth point. And I used to leave Jesus at home while I went on a date. Because if he came along, he would ruin it. No, God. Nah, they're not. Here, you stay here, I'm going to bring my game. You stay here, God, because uh, honestly, you can't come here. I used to leave Jesus whenever I'd play football. Right in the locker room. I'd stuff him right in there. Here, stay there. Because i got to go out there and, you know, be dirty. I don't know if you know what I'm saying. I pray that you do. You leave Jesus somewhere. You stuff him somewhere. And the truth is this. In this place, in this incredible feast of the Passover, the celebration of the blood of the Lamb, the celebration of the salvation of his people, in that very moment, all the Jews were also missing Jesus. They forgot that it was not about 
just this one specific event. It was a specific person. A generation, an entire generation lost sight of Jesus. These verses were written for you and for me. It wasn't just to show us, oh, see, Joseph and Mary were not that good parents. They were amazing. It was an incredible example for you and I to realize that it just takes a moment to say, I am not being aware of why I'm doing things right now. I've known people that they do things and they get tired of doing something because they realize or they stop thinking that it's about Jesus. Now they think it's about them. They think it's about recognition. It's about somebody saying hi to me. You know what? In this church, you will have plenty of opportunities to get offended. So many. And I praise God for every one of those opportunities. Because this is where you'll know. Is this about Jesus? Or is it about me getting somebody to say hi to me? Is this about Jesus? Or is this about me telling me how well I sang, how well I played? Is this about Jesus? Or is this about my cell group, all of them being BFFs? Or is it about Jesus still? Is it about Jesus? Is it about Jesus? I'm going to ask you again, raising your team of 12, is it about Jesus? Man, this generation does not need another church. This generation needs Jesus Christ. Please say amen. Amen. So give God a shout of praise. Why not? You cannot find Jesus in other people. Now that sounds wrong. I know because yes, Jesus is present in that person. And by the way, Jesus is amazing. Yeah, I get it. But I can, I can read to you the word of God, but I can't read it for you. I can pray for you, but I cannot pray for you, right? I can, I can, I can tell you this. I can, I can help you get to God, but I cannot possibly do what you're supposed to do, which is build intimacy with him. It's like me telling you, would you have a good relationship with my wife so that my relationship could get better with her? That's just weird, right? You wouldn't, I would never ask you to build intimacy with my wife so that my relationship can be stronger with her. Yet we many times through other people, through the caravan, through the relatives or the friends, because the Bible says that they began looking for him among their relatives and their acquaintances. You need to look for God in the right place, in the right times. This is where Jesus was. I love this part of the Bible because it to me just, it makes my heart pump. It says, when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then, after three days, good grief, their child was missing for three days. Three days. They found him in the temple. Woo. Sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Check this out. When they saw him, they were astonished. I mean, like, What? And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. Check this out. And he said to them, why is it that you were, uh, you were looking for me? I love Jesus, man. I love, I love, I love 12-year-old Jesus. I love his attitude. I love his mindset. He was like, why were you looking for me? Imagine if your teenage child tells you, why were you looking for me? Are you kidding me? Because you're my, because you're, you're my kid. Because I love you. Because I want. Because you're my responsibility, right? Why were you looking for me? It seems like such an odd question to ask. But you know, whenever you find a seemingly dumb question that God is posing, it's not dumb. Never will God ask a dumb question. Yet He asks dumb questions, like a blind guy standing in front of him, looking like this, and he's just like, "Oh, what do you want me to do for you?" Um, 
Matt, I want to recover my sight. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, like the deaf guy, you know, it's, it's kind of like people bring him. Okay, well, what's up? What, what, what? You know, do you get what I'm saying? Like, why, anytime you find a seemingly dumb question in the Bible, it's not dumb. Maybe he's numbing it down for us so that we could understand some truths, right? And the reason is that Jesus would say, why are you looking for me? Why were you looking for me? You know where I'm at. You know where I'm supposed to be. You keep trying to look for me in the wrong places with the wrong people. I am. This is his answer. He said, why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I had been or I had been, oh man, this is great. I had to be in my father's house. In another version it says, I had to be about my father's business. I love that. It's like, why were you looking for me? You know, you know what I'm about. I'm about my father's business. If you really want a relationship with God, you want to strengthen your relationship with God, you want to truly find Jesus, be about your father's business. That's where you'll find him every single time. Every time you'll find Jesus about his father's business. Don't tell me you have a deep relationship with God and you don't give a rip about the lost. Don't tell me you love the Holy Spirit if the Holy Spirit is only leading you to you. That is the biggest lie from the pit of hell. If you know the Holy Spirit, there should be a fruit. There should be fruits in your life. If you have a relationship with God, you should love what he loves and hate what he hates. That is relationship. I have a wife whom I love and she loves me. And you know how we get closer to each other? We are actually interested about what we like. What a weird revelation. What an amazing revelation. Wow. Some people are really trying to be interested in people. Therefore, they're interesting people. The best way to have friends is be interested in someone. Not be interesting. Right? Oh, I'm so interesting. I, I remember when I was in like eighth grade, there was this guy. He tried to be mysterious. And you look, he looked like he was trying to be mysterious. It's like, are you mysterious? Because you look mysterious. You know, is it like, should I ask you things? You know what I'm talking about or not? No, you guys know eighth grade mystery? No? I'll pick it up. If I see it, I'll show it to you one day. You know, I'm, I'm going to put a meme of it. Like, I'm mysterious. I don't want to talk to anybody, but ask me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if you really want to be interesting, get interested in somebody's life. Why do you guys think I ate chicken embryo like two weeks ago? You guys are like, what? Yeah. I know. It's, it's, it's not cannibal. I just went to Philippines, and there's something called balut, and it's delicious. If you're in Philippines. If you're here, and you eat chicken embryo... I don't know how it's going to taste. But over there, I was in Rome. And so I was like, well, there's an embryo there, and it got boiled, and it's got salt on it, and I'm going to eat it. You know why? Because these guys next to me seem to think it's really good. And I'm interested in what they're interested in. I'm not saying you need to eat chicken embryo to have friends. But, but I was like, well, here we go. And I was just eating it. And I was like, oh, it tastes like chicken. And egg at the same time. It's like saves you time. You know? And I was like, wow. Oh, okay. So we started getting like, it was, it was fun. You know, oh, try that, try that. Okay. So, so now I was like, eating buffalo, like water buffalo. I was like, oh, this is delicious. You know? I really got interested. And they got, I'm not playing with you. When you get interested in somebody's life, into somebody, they start getting interested in everything that you have as well. It's called relationship. Instead of just trying to share, 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 get interested in their lives. Care about what they care about. Ask about their day. Ask about how they're doing. Give them something kind. Make sense? Like a word that is kind as opposed to what's up. Right? It's like, how are you doing? No, I'm great. No, no, no. I mean, I really mean it. How are you doing? Good. From 1 through 10, how are you doing? Oh, you have to ask the number. You know what I mean? It's just like, I, I, I'm, I'm asking you guys seriously. Are you interested about God's heart and what he cares about? 
And that is the greatest question today this devotional brought to my heart. Is like, am I looking for doors all the time to preach the gospel? Because that's what it says. Pray that these doors would be open so that we can present the mysteries of Christ. Can you say, God, I'm interested in what you're interested in, which is people. People are dying without, without the relationship with the Father. If you want to know what the Bible is about, you don't need to know Greek. You don't need to know Hebrew. I promise you that. The entire Bible is God's creation gets lost and far away from God through sin. The entire book all the way through Revelation is the journey of God trying to win them back to his heart. At the end, he wins. That is the scripture. Give God a shout of praise. Come on. That is what the Bible is about. And so, and so, so many times we think, I'm going to find God. And you think by praying and just being there, great. But what are you praying about? What are you praying about? For real. I know pastors. Pastors that have told me this. Seriously. You know what? I just, when I start talking about devotional life, do you have a devotional life? Do you pray? Do you have a devotional life? Uh, I study the Bible. You know when I got to do my sermons? My so when you prepare for your sermons, that's the only time you read the Word of God. And I'm thinking, wow, that's a good teacher, I guess. But it's kind of like me telling you, I only talk to my wife when I need to talk about her. So that I don't look bad as a husband. Ain't it weird? Like I only talk to her before I get up here so she doesn't give me any grief and so you guys think I'm a good husband. How much would that suck? I'm just saying, how evil would that be? How two-faced would that be? And so many times we do that. You know, I got well, this thing going on, so I got to get ready for it. I got this, this, this cell group, or I got this thing I got to do, or, or hey, you know, we're going to have this. And I just encourage you guys to bring Jesus back to your life and to say, Lord, I need, I need you so badly. I need you to be again present always in my mind, in my heart, in my room, you know, in my, in my everything, in my, my ministry you know you have a ministry, by the way? It's not me who has a ministry only. You have a ministry. We're just trying to help you develop your ministry. Does that make sense? Like when you get to heaven and when I get to heaven, God's not going to be like, so how was CFF? <laughs> he won't. He really won't. He's, so um, I kept a checklist of how many times you went to church. Good job, good job, good job, good job. Oh, what happened there? He won't. The reason we're here is so that you can be the church outside of these walls. Does that make sense? And so I know that one day... When you and I are, are in a picture with flowers around and people are there to, to honor your life, my heart's desire is that anyone who showed up would have been impacted by the Jesus in me. That you didn't just know one side of me, but that you knew the best side of me, which is Christ. That our lives would be not just segmented into the church, the religion, but rather Jesus all around he was not missing from one single relationship. Jesus was not missing from one single hour of my day. Jesus was always present. I was always aware that he was by my side. Always, always, always. I looked for doors everywhere all the time to share his love. In my marriage, if, I miss, if Jesus is missing, I mess it up. I promise you that. As a father, if Jesus is missing, then it's me showing no good. The other day I, I read a story, and I, I might have shared it one time with you guys, but this, this kid got lost, and, um, and he, he, uh, he was about five years old. And, and I just pictured Elijah, um, because Elijah, 
you know, he can get lost really easy. He's a kid, you know, he doesn't know where he's at. But he remembers some things. And, and, and he said that this, 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 he was looking for, for his house and he couldn't find it. And he doesn't know phone numbers. He doesn't know addresses. And he said, can you, can you, can you help me find my house? Can you help me find, find my house? Like, no, I, I, don't know, I don't know where you live. Can you tell me what's around? Well, well I, it's really close to our church. He's like, well, can you help me? Well, how do we find it? He's like, just look for the cross. Just look for the cross. Just look for the cross, the big cross. And when I was reading that, that story, there's a lot more to that story, but that's the part that really caught my heart. I'm like, if I find that cross, I'll find home. You know what I mean? If I could just, if I could just get this guy to get me to the cross, if I can just somehow get to the foot of it, then I'll find my way home from there. And I don't know if you feel ever that way, but whenever you feel lost in emotions and you don't know how to feel, you don't know how to think in your, in your own time, do you say, Lord, I just, I just need you to be here. And if you're here with me, then we're okay. You know what I mean? This is what these people did. These amazing, amazing people. They looked for Jesus and they didn't just look for him. It says on verse 48, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. Another part says desperately looking for you. Are you desperately looking for Jesus? Are you anxiously looking for Jesus? What are you anxiously looking for? Finances? Money? A girl? A guy? Do you want to look for Jesus more than you want to look for a better job, a career, entertainment? I know this sermon is heavy, man, but we need it sometimes. Sometimes, I heard one time that unless... The olive is crushed and it won't yield its oil. And sometimes we need to let God do this to us. Make sense? So that we can actually yield what God wants to use. Does that make sense? And so I know, you guys, that there's times where we want other things more than Jesus. We're looking for other things more than God. But have you been anxious for God? I, I really get encouraged. I am so excited when a guy tells me I'm, I'm desperate for God. I don't know what to do. I feel like I really need him. Like I, don't, if I, can't, I can't do this without him. And I get so happy because I know it's coming. Because I know the Lord is on his way. The Bible says, draw near to me and I'll run away. No, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Right? That's what the Bible says. I'm not going to just stiff arm you if you come to me. I'm not like that. You come to me, I'll come to you. Crazy things, this. check this out. This is a cool story. This, this little kid... This little kid, he goes to, to the store and, uh, and, and, you know, the store owner tells him, you want some candy? He's like, yeah. He's like, okay, fine. Just as much as, you're, uh, as you can grab with one, with one, uh, one little, uh, what do you call it? The, no, a hand. Like a, with your hand, with like a, a puño. Um, a handful, there you go. As long as you can grab with a handful, then that's yours. And the little kid's like, okay. He's like, go ahead and grab it. He's like, no, 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 it's okay. Uh, I want the candy, but um, he just goes like, can you please do it, you know. And he, he looks at him and he's just like, oh, wow, what a well-educated kid. Like, he's not going to just grab it. He's, he, so he's like, yeah, you know, he's like, well, no, 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 son, you grab it. No, 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 maybe you can give him to me. And he's just like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, you know, my hands are dirty. And, and the, the guy, the old man, like, okay, fine, grabs a handful and just puts it in his hands. And while he's walking away, the dad's like, eh, I didn't teach you that. <laughs> Where'd you learn that from? He's like, well, his hands are bigger. And that's exactly what we need. That's exactly what we need. <laughs> we need that. We need that kind of. Come on. We need. We need that kind of thing where it says, God, if I try to do this on my own, it's not going to work. But your hands are bigger. You know what I mean? Like God, I know if you're in this, man. Your if your hands 
Our blessing then is the greater blessing. You know what I mean? Like, I know I can try to muscle my way through this thing, but why should I? Your hands are always, always bigger to bless. Amen? So if Jesus is in the forefront, if Jesus is there, you guys, I'm telling you, seriously, God can and he will bless. But we look for him in the wrong places. We think that Jesus is, ooh, is there if we feel him. You don't have to feel him. Now, you want to feel him. Trust me. When I'm with my wife, I'm with her, and I'm not always feeling my wife ill. Right? Like, I, like we, we feel it. You know, we feel it. But there's times where we don't feel it. Right? There's times where we're there, and it's just like, you know what? It's a relationship. There's times where I have to be devoted. There's times where I say, you know what? I would rather eat something else, but today I'm going to eat your food because I like it. No, because I like you. Makes sense? There's times where, you know what, honestly, when Eoni tells me we need to talk, I'm like, hmm. Immediately I think, what did I do wrong? And I don't want to have that talk because I would rather hear something else. We need to talk usually means I need to tell you everything you need to change, which is awesome because it's my formation time, right? I mean it. Like, it's now it's like I don't feel like doing some conversations, but I really need some conversations, Right? I really need some comfort. Now, sometimes we do the same. We, we go back and forth. But sometimes God tells you, seriously, you guys, you're not going to feel it. You're going to have to be devoted. Someone told me that you don't know how committed you are until you have the opportunity to be unfaithful. And I thought, man, that's intense. Like you think you love God until something else shows up. I tell people that the younger the people are, that the, the young people, they'll have four great tests in their life. The first one is when they get their first job. You'll test their commitment to the Lord really quick. For me, it was AutoZone. Did I tell you guys that story? My orange shirt, man. It's like it tested my commitment. Second one is when you get a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Ooh, it'll test your commitment. You're going to realize how, how much you really love God when that girl or that guy says, Oh, but it comes out on Friday. It'll be there Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You want to dress up? Dress up on Monday. If you, hey, go to church dressed like that. You could be Princess Lee on Sunday. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? It'll, you'll be tested in that time. Man, when you have a girlfriend, you'll be tested when you get married, believe it or not. Because when you get married, your life changes. It's flipped upside down. And you realize the only north is him. The only thing that can truly put me on my feet is him. And if you, found, if you have a foundation in your marriage of the Lord and Jesus is present, you're going to be all right. Amen? The, third, the fourth thing is when you have a child. Because your world is flipped again upside down twice. And if you have two, man, you're twirling. You know what I mean? Like you will be tested in that moment. It's called transitions. That transition will be rough. When you're dog tired, I mean dog tired. You can't even, man, you can't even stand. And you got to do your devotionals. But you say, God, but you understand. And he's like, no, I don't. I have millions of children. And I'm still spending time with you. Amen. So you will be tested all along your life. In your devotion to God. So this is why I think it's so hard for some people to be fully devoted in prayer. It's because they think prayer is simply a time to stand before a genie and ask him for your wishes. And he may not grant them. And that's very honest for some of you. Did you know prayer is the bridge between the supernatural and the natural? Prayer is my time of intimacy with God where I get to speak with my Lord and I get to hear his voice. Prayer is that time where I am not number one. He is. And I know it because I'm on my knees. Prayer is the one time out of the entire day 
where he is all you look at. Can I let you in on a secret? If, if, if you can help your own relationship when you get married, there needs to be a moment every single day where she's all you look at. And I mean it. Eoni knows, and she used to get embarrassed in the beginning, but now she doesn't anymore. Where I really do, I tell, mm, mm, mm. Every day, somehow, somewhere, I find a time to look at her and her alone. And she knows that, and that strengthens our relationship. But you know what happens? The biggest enemy of relationships is habit. You get used to being there. You get used to going to home and having that person there, and you're no longer, mm, mm, mm. Now it's just like, huh. You know, it happens to Christians alike. You just show up to church. You do service. You go to cell group, destiny training, life class. And it's no longer like, mm, mm, mm. It's just, mm. And that's a sad, sad moment for you. When you no longer have that passion, you say, God, Jesus, you're here. And if you're here, you're worthy to be just the one to stare at and admire. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise. And really look at. Closing. We'll close like this. They were so desperate to find him, right? I love that it was a three-day thing. And, you know, maybe for those of you that are joining life class, look forward to your encounter, this three-day desperate pursuit of Jesus. Come on. This three-day moment where you're going to say, I'm going to find myself three days searching after God so desperately, and I will find him in this place, in his temple. Amen? That, to me, it's like, it's, it, it was Rema. Um, I get chills just thinking about it. But I would, I would just add to, to close today that... Whenever your heart is getting harder, your heart is getting calloused. And, you know, you'll hear music play right now a little bit. And, uh, but it's not really the, the music that is going to soften up your heart. I believe wholeheartedly. Let the Holy Spirit right now begin to move in your heart. For those of you that have grown cold in your prayer life. And you've stood so tall against God and even dared him. And challenged him. Some of you here have said, well... You haven't come through for this, 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 this. So I'm not going to talk to you anymore. And, and you've been so bold and daring and foolish as to act that way with your king. I just want to encourage you guys to say, God, circumcise my heart right now. Like cut away those areas, those calluses that are so detrimental to my and to you and to me. Oh, that's weird. Maybe another song. <laughs> I'm going to cry with it right now. I'm not playing. I'm going to ask you guys, is your heart calloused? How do you know your heart is calloused? I used to lift weights a lot. Like back when we were in college, and I don't say a lot, like enough to stay in the team. You know what I mean? Like in the college football team, which is a lot for some people. But I remember I never wore gloves. Can I tell you why? For two reasons. One, number one, because um, they're for ladies. Nah, just kidding. No, no. Because I didn't like my hands to sweat. I was like, ah, sweaty hands. And then I figured if I wear gloves, I'm always going to have to wear gloves. Like always. Every time I lift weights, I'm out to wear gloves, and I don't like it. So... So I decided I would grow calluses. And even now, I still have some college calluses. Believe it or not, they just became part of my hands. Like, it, we did it so much, so often. It was like eight years of our life, nine years almost, that it was just doing these things all the time, nonstop. Off-season was even more lifting. And so I remember, like, when I first started getting my calluses, it was so painful. It hurt so bad. You could tell a good guitarist by their left hand or, you know, the right hand, right, left hand did the right hand. How much callus they have in the tip of their fingers, you know? You could tell a lot about, about you know, th those calluses. For me, when I was lifting weights, at first it was so hard. It was, it was difficult. And I felt every bit of it. But then as I started getting calloused, it was like, eh, it's not so bad. And it got harder. And, and it was like, I, I kind of lost feeling a little bit on that, the little soft part of it. 
your thumb, when you're playing guitar, you lost feeling in the front. And they become hard. You could even tap, 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 tap like on a table and you could hear it more than others. It's not soft anymore. And you lose feeling in the, in the calloused area. In your heart, some of you have calloused hearts. You've been, you've been going at it too long without really going at him. And that could be really hard on you guys. I love you too much as a church, as a ministry, as spiritual children, for you to do this vision. The G12 vision requires all of you. I mean, all that you have. It's called the gospel, guys. When Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me, he didn't mean like pick up your cross and just pretend like it's all nice and, and it's about you. He means pick up your cross and follow me to Gethsemane. Like follow me up that hill, get on that cross, die for the world that's dying without me. And it's really a mission. And, and I think it's really, really difficult on somebody who does not focus on Jesus. Because if you have your eyes on you, you'll see your own flaws. You'll see all your problems. You'll just look at you and you're going to get so discouraged in the Christian life. It's not fair to you. It's really not fair. I would rather not do the G12 vision if we're not going to focus on Jesus. Because then it's going to be about you. And even the fruit that you have, it'll mess people up because it's about you anyway. But if you focus on Christ... Man, we can really, I mean genuinely, not only change an entire world because I've seen it happen. Man, I've seen nations being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit through people that are willing to yield their lives. I'm telling you guys this, without one single flyer, one single band that was invited, no preacher that was like outside of, no, no one. It was just the Holy Spirit through a bunch of disciples gathered more than 300 and 50,000 Filipinos in front of me. Boats, entire ships were filled with Filipinos getting off into that island. Airplanes were rented not to go to Coachella. They were rented to go see what God was going to do in their land. Politicians were asking, begging to be discipled. I heard it with my own ears, asking, would you disciple me? Listen, I've seen nations. I'm telling you, Colombia, 49 seats at some point of the government were people that loved God and really believed for Colombia to be transformed. They, were, they used to be the number one exporter of cocaine throughout the entire world. And now missionaries throughout. We have some Colombians back there that I believe God, God sent to this place. They saw their nation transformed. They saw when Pablo Escobar ruled Colombia. People would ask him not about coffee, but about Pablo Escobar. Right? And now I'm telling you, this nation, thousands of us fly to Bogota, Colombia every single year. Why? Because they have something amazing. That something is this incredible vision that is changing the world. You know whose, whose vision it is? It's Jesus. When you lose sight of Jesus, you lose sight of his vision. You lose his heart. You cannot possibly do things like this without Christ in the middle. It's too difficult. It is hard. It'll take everything from you. And if you don't get him, you're alone. Make sure Jesus is there. Please, your devotional life from here on out, say, God, this is about you. When you pray, not just you. Yes, pray about what your needs. I believe God cares 100%. He cares about you. But man, there's a world out there that's dying without him. You want to have one amazing day with Jesus? Share him with somebody else. Get rejected one time. Paul speaking out of prison. Out of prison. This is, this is him saying, hey, by the way, guys, pray for, for God to give me wisdom to speak. By the way, that's the reason I'm in jail. Because I've been trying to preach Jesus. How many of us can say, that's the reason why I'm in trouble, because I was just trying to preach Jesus. I encourage you guys, say, if you want your faith to grow, say, God, I want to get closer to you. Oh, yeah, I know where to find you about your father's business. Can I join you? Can I walk with you for just a second? Amen?
Amen. Close your eyes and stand up with me, please. Let's pray and let's ask God to give us holy anguish, to give us that holy desperation that says, God, I want you more than ever before. God, I need you, Lord, that today, today, God, you give me true hunger for you. God, I ask you, Lord, that you give us true hunger for you, God. Make us hungry for you. Close your eyes for a second. And if you're here for the first time or maybe you haven't gone to church for a long time, I invite you guys to really just ask God to help you to get hungry for him again. If you want to give Jesus your life right now and you say, I've been walked, I walked away from him or I never really truly had him. I had religion, but I never had Jesus fully, truly present. I never asked him to be. This amazing gentleman will never violate your privacy. He won't go where you won't want him to. He's not a demon to possess you. He is an incredible, majestic Lord who's dignified and will simply not twist your will. If you want to tell him, God, I need you. I want you. I'm sorry if I hadn't even been aware that you weren't in my life. Or that you walked away and you went to do your father's business while I stayed here and just decided to do my own. If this is you, I want you to pray a simple prayer asking God to bring you back to the heart of the father, which is... That none should perish. That your life would be more than just about you. If you want to give Jesus your life and just tell him, God, I want you to change me. You just tell him, Jesus, forgive my sins. Change my life. Be my God. Be my Savior. Forgive me, God. Listen, God wants to hear your voice. And I believe today he wants you to pray your own intimate prayer. I don't know how. All I can tell you is that your prayer needs to include repentance, acceptance. Not only that, but a future with him. You know how to speak to people. And to say that I don't know how to talk to God, it's not a good excuse. Talk to him as a, as a real, genuine person that he is. The Holy Spirit wants and will help you communicate. Ask God to help you to, to make him priority in your life again. Out of your own intimate heart, out of your own desire for him. Maybe some of you need to say sorry because you put him in the back burner or you, you stuffed him in the trunk while you drove your own way. Maybe some of you here that have been doing ministry on your own and, and maybe out of trying to please somebody but not pleasing God. And, and, and instead you were trying to get sad or, or mad or, and you didn't understand why formation was happening. Why don't you go back and say, Jesus, I want you to be present again. I want you more, God. I want you more than ever. Tell him, God, I want you to be the reason why I do these things, God. I want you to be the motive. I want you, God, to be, to be the one. Come on, just begin to speak to God for a moment. The music's going to get a little louder so you don't hear everybody else around you. But just have your own intimate time with God. Pray. Pray. Ask him to change you. Ask him. Speak to him. Whatever God puts in your heart, go ahead. Papa, please listen to your kids, God. Listen to your children, Lord. Please listen to your children, Lord. Listen to your kids, God. Listen to your kids. Open up the windows of heaven, God. Hear their voices. Hear their hearts, God. Hear their desperation. There's been a guy here that hasn't prayed in a long time, but he wants to pray. Holy Spirit, give him the words right now. Open up his mouth. Break pride. Break ego, God. 
there's a woman here that feels condemned and she feels like she can't talk to you. Well, God, show her your love. Show her your grace. Show her, God, that, that you want to talk to her, that you're not mad at her, God, that you're not mad at him, God, that you're not mad at him. You want a relationship with him, God. Show them, God, that you want to have an intimate, intimate time with them, a relationship with them, God. Speak to them, God, right now. Please, Lord, speak to them, God. Speak to them, God. This is the time where God will give you his dream, will give you his heart. God, I pray that this church will become a church not of attenders, but of disciple makers, God. A church that doesn't just look for their own needs. We believe your word when it says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. For the single people in this room, I pray that that word will be rema for them, God. For those that feel like their lives are just swamped, I pray, God, that they remember that if they take care of your business, you'll take care of their business, God. God, that if they seek you first, all these things will be added on. I pray, God, for the men that have been discouraged, that you just encourage them. Give them your courage, God, that they can flow in your courage, God. I pray right now, Lord, that, that any, anyone here that has, has been losing enthusiasm, God, I pray that they never allow that to happen. God, Spirit of God, I pour on this, this group right here a new kind of prayer. I declare that your prayer will no longer be prayer of just an average churchgoer, an average Christian. You will have a prayer of a pastor. You're going to begin to pray like a pastor. A prayer of a pastor is not just about them. It's about the lost. It's about the sheep. It's the one that is missing. A prayer of a pastor is like a prayer of a father who knows that their child needs help. A prayer of a pastor is like a mother who's crying out for those children that are hurting. Right now, God's going to move. He's going to change your heart. Your prayer times will be different. Your prayer life will be different. Your prayer life will be about the next people around you, your neighbor, your generations after you, the people that desperately need God. God, I pray right now that you give us a new level of compassion and passion for you, God. I pray right now, Lord God, that you make us here more like you, God. Not just to like you, but to be like you, God. I pray right now, God, that every one of us in here would have a new birth in our prayer life, God. That our prayer life would be ardent, hot, Always moving, God. Always growing stronger, God. Consuming our selfishness every single day, God. I pray right now, Lord, that every single person in this room would never, ever, ever have to say, I don't know where Jesus is. Rather, that they would immediately recognize if he's not at the center of their lives. Maybe it's an attitude, a reaction. And they say, no, 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 I'm not going to allow that. I'm going to anxiously pursue the Lord. God, thank you because you're changing us into people that are like you, Jesus. Thank you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Give God a shout of praise. Why not? Come on. I'm going to leave you guys with one, um, one simple thought. In the olden days, um, when somebody was enthusiastic, it was under, understood what that word means. And for us, we lost a lot of meaning of the words. The word enthusiasm comes, out, comes from a, a two words, en, which is within, and theos, which is the Lord. Right? Theology is the study of God, like geology, right? Ology, right? So that, that concept of, of, of theos and, and in, it means that if somebody's enthusiastic, it literally means you're in the Lord. 
Like you're in God. You're enthusiastic doesn't mean like you just got a job. It means like you know that you're in the Lord. You're walking in the spirit of God. I just encourage you guys to have an enthusiastic life. Amen. God bless you guys. See you guys.